Welcome to CX and Chill, the real raw customer experience podcast from Exo Studios and ExtendOps. This week, listen in as today's host, Daniel Wing, interviews Diana Castanato, former VP of Client Solutions at Teleperformance and current LATAM head of post sales and strategy, Comprara Online. Listen in as they discuss the ins and outs of building a career in the world of CX, finding the balance between people-driven and tech-driven growth, and finding parity with female leadership in a male-driven industry. Enjoy. So it's like, learn how to adapt to the game. I just see it as a game, right? Like not in a bad way, like something you have to play. If you don't, you don't command it, then some, something else will do, yeah. for sure. Like it's law, it's universal law, that's how it works. So you need to take ownership of that and say, okay, this is, this is how it will go. Like you need to command it and like, hit the wall hard. Um, and then I started to reflect something that you said earlier, like if you don't review and you don't understand what you have done before, or just understand like your mistakes, let's call them like that. Well, you're not learning from it. What are you doing? You're just leaving things, but you're going to keep on repeating things if you don't really reflect on them. So for me, it was reflection. The key for that was reflect on the things that you have done. Today's episode was recorded in March, 2023. Since filming, Diana has joined Extendops as our global head of customer success. Congrats, Diana. Good morning, everyone. We are here at Extendops, CX and Chill. My name is Daniel Wink. I'm the global head of customer success. And today I'm very happy to have with me Diana Castaneda. She has been working on customer experience for over 20 years now, I guess. And she's currently the head of Pulse Sale Operations and one of those very hot start, startups in, in Latin America, in this case in Colombia. You are from Colombia and I'm very happy to have you here. Thanks, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it's been quite a ride. Uh, I am originally from Colombia, currently in Colombia. And yeah, working through different challenges now uh, in this uh, fintech startup, but uh, I love it, so. Indeed, very different challenges, because you actually started your career, like how many years ago? Like uh, probably 20, and you started as an agent, right? Like, correct yeah, me if I'm right. Yeah, if we say like contractual, officially starting, you could say like 20, uh, I was not legal <laughs> at the time very young but uh but yeah like in the management cx helping custom uh, customers and companies grow and expand yeah more than 12 years um and i started as an agent i never thought i was gonna end up doing this my passion was medicine to to, oh. to, to yeah to drive the conversation even uh, farther from what you would think uh, this will look like but um but yeah i i started as an agent uh it was a part-time thing, you know, when you start in these things, you're like, uh, it's going to be temporary. I'm just going to be there for a while, get some money, you know, like do my, my studies and stuff. But uh, I discovered a whole career path. Uh, and that, that's very interesting because I think that it's a common topic that happens once and again. Yeah. For a lot of us that walk into this career path without knowing that it was actually a career path. Usually BPO is look at something that you do while you actually get a real job. But for uh, for some of us, has actually turned into being a not only a career path, but like a very good and solid and successful career path. And as you said, for you it was like oh, I'm just gonna make some money for a couple of months. The same was for me. Like I literally thought I was gonna be doing this just for the training and then probably one or two weeks until they fire me. Because I was pretty sure that I was not gonna be successful at this. And you had a very similar experience, but. 
you ended up in then later, I think it was a trainer position or like a learning coach. Yeah. How was your experience being an agent and how was the transition and what led you to think, I probably can't keep on doing this for longer or I actually like doing this. And how did you end up making like the first move of the ladder? Right. Two factors for me. Uh, the first one was I was inspired by my leader. So I had a very good leader at that time um, when I was in the BPO. And uh, he will enhance all of the uh, good attributes and things that I wouldn't know that there would be in a BPO. So I was like, you know, I'm just doing my job. That's it. Um, and then the second thing would be that I, I, I wanted to succeed. So it was regardless of the where, I always wanted to do more. Like, you know, like, okay, I've done this. I want to move move on with more things. So that combination worked pretty well because the VPO industry was the best place to, you know, like to start that and, and to advance in, in a different mode. And, and I will never, I mean, I never had the thought that I could travel, evolve, get to meet so many people, understand from many industries, right? Because it's not like just one thing. Um, so have that integrity and to be able to explore more things uh, not just locally, but regionally and worldwide. It was just the boom. So for me, it was just that combination of those two things that helped me to discover this beautiful world. You mentioned that a, a critical person that influenced your career path was a mentor. Yeah. What's this mentor, your supervisor, was like a campaign manager? He was my direct supervisor at the time. So I was a customer representative on the phones. Um, and his leadership just sparked in me. He was like very human, very kind, yet he was very knowledgeable, very technique. So I was like, wow, I mean, you can, you, you would say, ah, the BPR, right? Like the supervisor, oh yeah, whatever. Um, but then you see this mix and you're like, wow, like it's very academic, you can use your knowledge and then you're, you know, like you're also building things to um, make that impact in the world and everything I had just said. So. It was that, like for me, it was my supervisor is very, um, very balanced. And with that balance, it, it, it just made me feel safe. And I was like, okay, I can, I can explore things. I trusted him. So I, it was a very nice culture. And I said, okay, if he is in this, I'll trust him to discover more. And that's how I ended up like meeting more people and more meaningful mentors that showed me the beauty of this industry. I, I admire you a ton. I think I have mentioned this before, but... Just for context, you had, you started as an agent, but you have climbed up the ladder up to be mm -hmm. a vice president of operations yeah. of a large company like Installer Performance. Yes. Uh, but also you have worked with other companies. Uh, you have worked for Uber. You have traveled the world. You have lived in Colombia, where you're from, but you have lived in Brazil. Brazil. You have lived in Amsterdam. Yeah, and you have had true. operations even in Africa, <laughs> yes. Eastern Europe. Uh, in Asia, yes. in Latin America, in the United States, like you have really traveled the world and you know a lot about it. And part of that is thanks to this industry. And a lot of it, if not, yes. And you're very well recognized on this. Yeah. Um, one of the main challenges that I think that you have faced also, and I don't want to just overlook it and not talk about it. This is a heavily male driven environment. Um, in, and it's kind of weird. It's sometimes when we open a position, we see nine males for each female that it's applying and when you ask human resources like hey like what's going on with the funnel like we are not getting as many females as males it's usually because they they have been filtered out not by human resources but by the years of experience on the bpo industry where it's you know like very macho driven and it is still being driven by this old 
kind of way of thinking, which is like, oh, you have to be strong and you have to be tough and you have to show that you're in power, etc. where there are many different ways of doing that. What was your experience being a female leader yeah. in this industry? What were the challenges that you faced and any advice? Not only for the agents that are probably going through that, but also for the leadership, like for us that are trying to learn how to do things better. Right. I'm, I'm happy to touch this topic because uh, recently I did a streaming uh, for LinkedIn with uh, being a woman in, in the STEM industry. So VPO falls under the STEM, like this yes. technology. Um, and you wouldn't think of, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm in the VPO. Now VPO falls in this technology world. So, um, and you, yeah, you experience the same, as you said, like the, the, the uh, women participation in uh, more senior roles, active, uh, it's, it's not something common to see, although it has improved within the time. So like 10 years, 12 years ago, you wouldn't have seen even one uh, yeah. women around in, those, uh, in the letter. But uh, these days, uh, it has improved. How did I do it and how did I manage? Uh, well, first, my experience was like, if you're not tough and if you're not, you know, like very like masculine, it will be tough for you. So it's like learn how to adapt to the game. I just see it as a game, right? Like not in a bad way, like something you have to play, like a, like a play from a theater. Um, and then acquire the things that work for you and that you really need and the rest do not engage emotionally with it. And then just learn from it, like just seg segregate them, right? Of course, the experience is the one that shows you that, like there are highs, there are downs. Um, but at certain point that as a woman helped me to understand myself better and to to see who I was and then just to show that or, or, or to transmit that to to the rest of the people that I was working with and showing that there are other ways, not just the masculine, but not saying cancel the masculine, but just combine it um, and have a balance out of, out of that. And, and that's how it worked for me. Like I perfectly uh, manage it at, at the end. And today I still see that there are it's a huge opportunity, right? Like uh, for for women to to lead the take the lead, but for also for us to feel confident and not to uh, block the opportunity, so to accept, to embrace, regardless of the result, just go for it and and see what's happening, and and that's something that culturally also impacts uh, the work. So in Europe, for example, like women are more masculine and they just go and they have a different position. Um, but still, they're waiting for something to be given and for them to be accepted. And mm -hmm. then in Latin, it's the opposite. It's like, I'm afraid. I don't want to say anything, you know, as a, as a man. Um, so there, these things are changing with the world and we're just a sample of it. Um, but I think that if there is someone here or so, whoever is interested on that path, it's, it's worth it. And it's, it's a beautiful path to follow and to make the difference to and contribute. What could we, males, cis males, that are in leadership positions in this industry, what could we do differently in order to actually be inclusive? And not just, I think one of the main things that I could do is asking this question, but we actually have to follow through. What have you learned that potentially could have made your life better or easier before? Um, I agree, you're right. Like bringing the topic, it's one of the first things to do, like to recognize that it's a topic and it deserves importance. Um, and then the second thing I would say, um, try to see things from the different perspectives. So the way, the same way that it's suspected from the women, right? Like, oh, you gotta look at the big pictures, do not engage emotionally, don't you know? Like these things happen um, because of the nature of 
of how we are uh, as as women and as a man. Um, I think that just trying to see the perspective from the other side, like putting yourself in those shoes, even though it's gonna be harder, um, it will help you to break the ice into that different type of perspective and and see that sometimes it's just uh, how can you say it? It's not that um, we don't have the opportunities, but sometimes the 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 female figure it's more of a receiver so we're respecting to receive rather than just proactively go aggressively go and ask but once we receive we multiply that and then you have like tons of things so it, and it's proven right like certain roles are very female driven because more organized more structure not that it's i'm not saying like the the, the male side of the business it's not like something that uh, it's unorganized or or chaotic but it could be complemented. And, and I think that it's meeting halfway. And once you integrate and then um, be a, like everyone will be able to learn from each other, that's, that's the key, cooperation. And, and, and if we just set, mind, like if you set your mind into that, you start allowing other approaches, other type of responses, other type of thoughts to, have, to be in your mind and then other type of opportunities emerge. But if you're blocked or if you are within the same perspective, well, you continue in the same path. So, As an agent, you could apply to workforce management if you're very data-driven, if you like details of mathematics, but also you could be applying to something like QA if what you like is, you know, like the yeah. process of really understanding Six Sigma and understanding the quality of what we're doing or leading people as an operation leader, really empowering people, coaching them, showing them how to do things. Yeah. But you choose, like, your first step was to choose on how to teach people and how to develop people. What drove you to do that? Yeah, so I had this uh, supervisor inspirational role. <laughs> um, I said, okay, if I if I had had uh, the, uh, the experience in a different way, like someone teaching me or guiding me this way, perhaps I could have contributed more. So I said, well, why not trying or understanding what you know, like my colleagues uh, are in need of and, and explore it. So I'm very like hands on, like, let's, let's do it. Let's try it. Why not? Um, so that's why. And I, I liked, like, I like the people interaction and this is my vocational side. So I mixed it. I started to bring my vocation in the video industry and I said, oh, it can be done. Um, you just need to know, like, how to tie the dots, right? After that, I had chosen to, to be a quality analyst because I'm very analytic. I love data. I love the uh, numbers. Um, but that was not very related to people and their development. And then, yeah, I remember the operations manager at the time came to me and said, well, you're doing this learning part and you're doing the quality part. We need someone in learning too, but we also need people who can motivate and help others. And you're very good at that. So they, they, he also helped me to see what I was doing that I never thought I would have. So I was discovering more things and I said, well, call me. I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. And I enjoyed working with people since then, like uh, all of the things that I, I can do um, or that I can remember that I started doing as a, as a coach and supervisor and then operations management and stuff was, was because of the people um, and, and setting, you know, like my structure side of, of, the, of the business within what I was doing and then applying my academics. And I was like integrating everything. And I'm like, it, it can be done. So 
Um, yeah, for me, it was the people. Like, <laughs> final answer. Yeah. So you would say that you're actually people-driven. Like, you care about data and yeah. very data-driven. But at the end of the day, you think that you are like a data like a people-driven person, right? Absolutely. I think that I love, I'm a huge fan of technology, data, like sign me in. Um, but I am also conscious that we are people having an experience here. So it's uh, how do you combine and take advantage of that uh, without forgetting the essence? And we are the essence. So if we don't even understand that we are the essence, why are we inventing, redefining, creating things for what? So it's the purpose behind that and then just keeping, being conscious of that. Um, it has helped me to navigate through making back to know people, to help, to also understand from other experiences. Uh, it's been it's been like that, like people driven, but uh, using technology in your favor and data in your favor. I love that bit that we are the essence. Sometimes I think we forget it. And it's just that we don't put it really on the center all the time. Mm -hmm. With everything that is going on in technology, artificial intelligence getting so powerful that it actually feels like talking to a human being with um, different, like the reason why a call center is possible is literally because of technology. Before phone calls, it was very, like this industry didn't exist. It originally was called a call center. It's way more than a call center nowadays, but technology at the end of the day just facilitates what people right. do. And it's supposed to bring us together, but sometimes it's the opposite, but it only does it if we allow it to exactly. happen. Exactly, exactly. That's it. Like if you don't, if you, if you don't, you don't command it, then some, something else will do yeah. for sure. Like it's law, it's universal law. That's how it works. So you need to take ownership of that and say, okay, this is, this is how it will go. Like you need to command it. And then, yeah, like you unleash a lot of things like. And it, it all boils down to a matter of decision, a decision of what is that you're paying attention to, what is that you think that it's important. And within a BPO, the team that is usually leading those conversations, the one that is creating the culture, I mean, everyone is involved, the one that is calling the shots daily on that, it's operations. And after working on learning and development QA, you went back to learning and development, but then you move into operations as an operations right. manager. Literally, the team that is calling the shots, that is defining what it is important, not only on the service delivery, but on the day-to-day -day of the team of people. What drove you to do that? And did you enjoy it? Because you kept yeah. on evolving your career there. I, I again, I had, um, I trusted the leader who was seeing that in me. And then that's when I, I mean, back then I didn't know that that was called mentorship. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I, I decided to trust. I went with my intuition. I said, yeah, let's try it, right? Like they see something in me. I don't see it, but let's try it. Um, and then it was just the fact of like to see your people growing, to for them to learn, for them to thank you because no one else had believed in them or for you to learn from them, right? Like, because it's not just them learning from you. Like when you have a team, you are learning from them and you're serving them. Like that's the whole thing. So for me, it was that. Uh, creating like very good bonds. Like I, re I still have like my WhatsApp, like the group of uh, of people that my first team, it's there, and I have very good relationships and connections with them. So that means a lot to me. It means like I was able to help them uh, professionally. I learned from them professionally, but most importantly, I made a huge contribution and footprint on their personal lives, and it's people that I can count with at any time, and they can count with me. Um, so it's a connection. So I built a strong connection and, and then again, collaboration, cooperation, it's there. 
So it's a different way. And, and then that's why I said, yeah, this is it. And then I replicated that exactly in all of the um, steps that I did in operations and in commercial and in product, like the same way, um, just to show that there are other ways to do the things and you enjoy them, you don't suffer, <laughs> uh, you learn a lot, you put yourself as in different challenges every day, um, but you grow. Yeah. You mentioned the word mentor three times already. Yes. I don't think I would be where I am today if it weren't because of the mentors that I had. Usually, the way that we look at authority usually is like, as long as they are not telling you anything, you're doing your job right, mm. which is a very broken way of saying it. And it's mm. very sad. But also, it's, it's due to the fact that nobody thought us that it can be done, that a mentor is not only possible but needed. Now that you are in a position where you have mentees and you have people that you're coaching on a daily basis, and that you have benefited yourself from actually having a coach, what would you, if, if you were an agent again, how would you find a mentor? Um, yeah, so if for an agent, uh, just erase the, uh, the conception or misconception of uh, believing that the mentor has to be your direct um, manager or supervisor or leader, right? Um, not necessarily, it does not apply in all of the cases. I was lucky to have my direct uh, supervisor when I started as my main inspiration for this career, but um, it doesn't happen all the time like that. And it doesn't mean the person is bad or is a bad leader. It's just different skills and different type of experiences that you have to go through. So looking at even your colleagues, like perhaps the more senior or perhaps the one that has different type of knowledge, the one that knows certain, uh, that had, that cert yeah, they know certain experiences or certain topics out of experiences that they have had uh, and that you can learn from that. And then just asking and listening, like be open to listen, like not just, you know, hearing like, oh yeah, I'm here, like listen and then be curious about it. things. Once you're curious, you start opening conversations, doors, and then that's when the mentoring starts. It's like, oh, okay, all right, so you're interested in this. Oh, and what do you want to learn? And da -da -da -da. Um, so it's not like, I need a mentor, because you also have that in industry, right? But um, naturally it can happen, and, and anyone around you could be a mentor in the things that you haven't lived and that you don't know, and, and that's like 100% of the humanity. So, so it's, it's there, it's for free. Uh, it's just the way to do it. And, and it's just that like, be curious about the things, be able to be open to, to listen, to, to go deep um, in, in certain needs that you have, but have them clear. If you don't even know, well then just say, I don't know, but I would like to explore and just listen. And out of that with time, you will know what you would like to be mentored in. So. One thing that I always like to ask people that I'm talking to and we are doing today is, what is one of those mistakes that you have made? And since this is a very personal question that is very hard to answer, I always like to start to open with my mistakes. Yes. With my favorite one, by the way. Uh, when I was first promoted from being an, an agent to a supervisor, I remember that I received a total amount of zero hours of coaching. Literally, no one told me the difference between being an agent and being a supervisor. So I probably made 90% of the errors on the, on the book of errors from a new supervisor. So many mistakes that at a moment I thought, I probably just quit this job because I'm not good at it. But it was mainly because nobody really taught me. I was lucky enough that I had a senior supervisor that saw me and was like, okay, this dude actually has potential. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help him. You have to be humble enough to say, okay, I don't know. And I'm going to be open to, for someone to tell me how to do it. And I'm going to try to do it. 
Yes. Even if I don't think it's the right thing to do, because obviously what I know is not working. How about you? Anything that you have learned through, you know, one of those fuck up nights, <laughs> fuck up talks of, okay, this is something that I probably should have done differently. Uh, if I think it, uh, when I was a supervisor, um, I was moving to the next position as a, uh, uh, an apprentice for operations manager. And because I had succeeded as a supervisor, in sales, which was something that I never thought I was going to be doing. Um, I said, okay, ECPC, I can do this. This is like uh, something that I can do uh, very well. And, 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 and it's opposite to the experience that you just shared, uh, Danny. And, and for me, it was more like um, my personal impact. So learning, like not, not knowing how to prioritize and not knowing that I can say no and help others by saying no and not, you know, like getting to the burnt out. <laughs> um, that, that for me was a, a huge thing to learn with the, year, with the years of experience that I have now. So uh, I was not contributing to the company by just doing everything. So, and especially I think I touched the topic again, women, we try to, you know, like care about everything, like look after everything. Um, because you have to be twice as good right. and do twice as much. Right. So you want to, you know, like, we recognize and, and all of those things do not help you. Uh, they just, they're like bugs in your head. Um, so for me, it was that like getting to a point where I was getting very sick or very tired, etc., or like stress, more like stress, like I live the stress mm. um, because I didn't know, like I didn't apply the prioritization from myself to be good to others. So if I'm not okay, and if I'm not good as a leader to myself, how am I going to lead and how I'm going to support others? Um, so for me, it was that. Like one thing that I would have corrected, but if I didn't live that experience, I would probably don't know it. So I think it was not just a mistake. It was just something that I had to go through to be able to learn from it. Um, but certainly <laughs> not everybody needs to go through all of the suffering. If you can just optimize it, uh, that would be marvelous. But, uh, but yeah, learn. Check and prioritizing your needs uh, and, and then adjusting to your company's needs or to whatever you're doing. Um, that would be the perfect mix. But now let's talk a little bit about the real technical complexities of outsourcing. Mm -hmm. You have done it from both sides. You have been working for massive operations, BPOs, like the really top ones in the world. But also you have been working for top clients, leading operations of thousands of agents. What do you think it is? A critical factor when it comes about finding a good BPO because you have worked also from the client perspective with the biggest ones but also with very tiny ones what was your experience and what is that you are looking for on a BPO nowadays right so I, I, I'll summarize it in two things the first one flawless experience for me and my team like whatever company I'm at if I'm looking to expand or outsource it has to be flawless because you want help you don't want more job right you don't want more complications so if they don't understand your language and they're not able to translate it into the great things that they can do I mean your communication will be yeah will be lost there and the second thing is to feel an ex like for them to be really an extension and to be an extension means to understand culture, purpose, and needs of the other side. Not just, you know, like, okay, we can do whatever it is, but you're not even understanding our philosophy and what the needs are and what our vision is and what our current needs are. So 
being an extension, talking the same language, it makes it easier. And, and it helps us, you know, like really optimizing, which is why you will outsource. It's like, you want cost benefit. Okay, yes. But you want it at what price, uh, yeah. right? Uh, so it's not just that. It's like understanding the behind the scenes and that tends to happen, right? Like you're all oh, outsourced, whatever it happens. Uh, no, it's not just like that. You gotta be very careful. Um, but I think those two things will uh, will be the, the main points to drive success in those type of partnerships with BPOs. There are different types of BPOs. Some have boutique BPOs, they have very particular solutions for very particular needs. Right. Uh, sometimes, for instance, anti-money laundry, you are not gonna go with a massive BPO because you need really the expertise that right. probably they have 200 agents, but that's what you need. On the other hand, when you have large scale operations of customer support, you want, you have thousands of agents and what you need is BCP and scalability and really just know that you can, you have a flexibility. There is everything in between. If you were looking for a provider today, is there anything in particular that you would look for if you are not necessarily looking at the biggest players? Is there anything that you would like to see on a BPO for you to say, hmm, I'm going to outsource part of my internal operations that's a risk for, to me. Like it's literally something that could put my job in jeopardy, but I will do it if I find the right partner. What were those traits that you will find? That you will um, be yeah, it would be a uh, great culture. Uh, so culture, <laughs> it, it has a lot of weight in that decision if you really want to move your business and partner it up and trust on a BPO. And the second one, there are three things. The second one would be, uh, their ability to innovate. So the world keeps on changing. So redefining is key. Your business will keep on evolving. Like you have to adapt to whatever is happening worldwide or in society or whatever you're acting. Um, and then the third one is just, uh, yeah, there uh, it's technology, right? So if you're not evolving in technology, if you're staying stuck, if you're like the old school, well, clearly all of the tech, uh, the, the tech companies, and not just the tech, every company is moving into that because the world is moving with that. So the needs are, are emerging towards digital solutions, towards um, technology projects, towards uh, evolving as, as, as humanity in general. Um, so yeah, culture, innovation, ability to innovate, to be proactive, um, it's key um, because again, things move fast. I know that right now your company and you yourself personally are working on the automation of certain contact types and it's something that the entire world is working mm -hmm. on. It, it just makes sense. A lot of people is afraid because they say like, oh, as an agent, I'm going to be losing my job. Right. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. It's like as an agent, you're going to be working on the really important contacts versus just exactly. being transactional, right? And saying right. like, oh, I'm going to have to repeat the same thing 50 times during the day. Exactly. That's horrible. But what do you think or how do you think that automation is going to change the customer experience world? Are you mm -hmm. foreseeing any challenges? ChatGPT and whatever artificial intelligence is going to bring. I think it's wonderful, but yeah. how do you think it's going to be in the next five years? Um, I think we're not ready, like in a hundred percent. Of course, this just emerged. Uh, well, not just now, but it has been for for the last decade or so. But now it's like the big boom, right, in society. So um, I think I am. I told you, I'm a fan of technology, so I use the artificial intelligence chats every day. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say that 
for the thought of oh i'm not gonna have a job i'm gonna i'm not i mean where is my where is room for me and so and so on and so on i don't think it like that i agree with you it's like your role it's becoming more complex so simple things that's why you have technology right i mean otherwise i mean otherwise i'm sure you wouldn't have appliance at home you wouldn't have <laughs> your phone you wouldn't have your bank accounts online because they just help you right so that didn't replace the bank itself they just redefined themselves and they found the specific things that they could do um, to bring more impact but solve for the simple things with technology to be more efficient it's all about being efficient in, in general and optimizing um, uh, your, your job your life everything so it's that if you if you get yourself locked into the thought of oh no this is gonna what am I gonna do well new things will emerge because you have to look after what's the data what's the technology doing what else yeah. what are the new needs because new needs will emerge um, so that's where you will be heading to um, so I think it will it will it will be just embedded right like we're working in conversational commerce in my in, in my current job and and everybody's like what's gonna happen what's this and it's just lack of, of, of familiarity with the terms and knowing what this is going to mean. But it's just like an A-B test. Like you're just, you're just experiencing new things and you, you don't know what's, what's going to, how the world is going to react. You have also new generations coming into the work, uh, labor work and in general, right? Like in society. So we're in the middle of the transition. So change uh, again, change is the main character here. Um, but it's it's not like we can just take it out. AI is coming. It's working uh, for certain things, for certain industry, for certain countries, for certain cultures. But the key point of understanding your client and the inputs are given by the human. And if you like, if I don't even know how to treat a customer in X, Y, or Z industry and this type of needs, then I'm not able to build anything efficiently with a, with an uh, with an AI um, solution. You know, I'm just making making it more stressful for them. Oh, yeah. So that's the emotional component of the human being, which is us for, for us to enable and create those things perfectly and, and then having the real efficiency. So it's, I mean, I don't see them separating. I don't see them like, I don't know, like Terminator or something. <laughs> it just, no. It's kind of crazy because a lot of people seem to think that even the most powerful artificial intelligence, it's going to be able to actually recreate and understand the emotions of yeah. someone that is frustrated. Well, sometimes as human beings, we cannot. Right. We see someone frustrated, we see why they are frustrated, and we are not able to really empathize. Right. So sometimes they see it as if you remove the selfishness of the human being and you only fit him with the empathy, it's going to work. I, I don't mm -hmm. think that's necessarily true, but... Anyway, I concur with you. You really need to understand the experience part, like really see where that person is coming from to be able to show empathy, but also to address the problem, right. find a real solution and take it a step forward. Good if we can automate all the tier one contacts, because sometimes it's really, I just need to know my balance. Oh, well, here is your balance. Right. I, don't, I don't really need for a human being to be part of that interaction because also that human being is going to feel frustrated because they, they feel like a machine. I felt like a machine when I was an agent many times with my contacts because it was like, <laughs> well, okay, like provide me your account information access. It's going to be three minutes of, of me asking you questions. Great. Then I know exactly the five clicks that I have to make in order for me to get the number that you want. I'm going to give you the number. You're going to say thank you. I'm going to say 
goodbye. Right. And it's going to happen again probably three or four times in the next couple of hours. And I'm going to hate myself for that. Right. So I really do believe that it's going to be helping this industry and not the opposite. So it's good to see that someone as experienced as you are actually, actually shares that. And just before we let you go, I have one, one final favor. I have a, a lot of operation managers, senior operation managers, QA managers, QA experts, trainers, uh, learning and development experts that are really looking forward to growing their career. And one of the mo most important steps that I think everybody needs, I needed it when I was in those roles and I need it today, is to understand from a customer's perspective, from the client perspective, what is it expected from us? What is it you would like to see and to receive from your BPO, thinking about those managers that are the ones that are actually working with your agents that are s delivering the service. What would be a piece of advice that you could be you could be giving to them, which at the same time could be a piece of advice that you could give yourself, but 10 years ago? Right. I would say not to feel disconnected because sometimes you're like, oh, I'm an outsourcer. No, I mean, this is where you are. This is your client. Be part of it, right? Like bring your your core philosophy or whatever you have within your bpo right because there are different uh, type of things that are uh, are special and unique to each bpo then bring them in and mix them with what the client like what the other company needs so that collaboration and that i would say that ownership because take ownership, ownership yeah. of, 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 you know, of the other side without any, without being af uh, afraid of anything. Because that's what we need. Like, that's what's, that's why the, the world needs BPOs and work at scale or small or whatever size you want. It's because we want help. So, and the help only comes if you really take ownership and you feel part of it and you just, you know, roll your sleeves and you're like, here I am, I'm hands on, what is it? Like work together um, without just expecting to execute. Like just execution, it's like, mm -mm, it's a big failure there. Uh, of course, it's part of your essential. The foundation. Yeah, the foundations of it. But without it, it's like another machine and we don't yeah. need machines. There you go. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time, Diana. It's been a pleasure having you with us. And I hope that we will be having you here again pretty Thank soon. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, Thank I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And that's our show. CX and Chill is a production of Exo Studios, the creative marketing arm of ExtendOps, with today's host, Daniel Wing, executive producer, Sean McCreary, producers, David Spear, Clarissa Coronado, and Memo Davalos, editors and videographers, Carlos Alfonso and Santiago Aguirre, graphic support from Jordan Madrid, and social media guru, Claudia Corona. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next time for more CX and Chill.